Rhino Freak Carol. Welcome to Radio Free Scarrow, episode number 1939. I am Stephen in Edmonton. Warren Butt in Vancouver. And Chris on the moon. How's it, uh, how's it going up there on the moon, Chris? It's cold and devoid of all life. Sounds like the McCoy era, am I right? Let, let, it, let it go, Warren Butt. It was, it was 70 years ago, man. It's over. My memory wafers can neither forgive nor forget. Anyway, moving on. This, uh, this week uh, we're going to be reviewing... Episode 5, the current series, the uh, the Doctor's third cousin on his mother's side, and the reaction from fans uh, expecting big revelations about the Doctor's family is, uh, has been pretty intense. After the disappointment of the Doctor's brother, the Doctor's aunt, and the Doctor's whole family, you'd think we would stop falling for these stupid titles. It seems like fandom has a never-ending ability to delude itself. Uh, this latest episode basically melted the hypernet. You couldn't look at Face Citadel or BioTwitter without coming across another rant from some disgruntled fan. So, uh, let's, let's get into the episode. How about, uh, who, who, went, who went first last time? Warrenbot? Well, I have to say I liked it a lot. When we found out that the clone of Tom Baker was returning to the role of the Doctor for a third time, I think we were all a little dubious. Especially after the second clone went mental and ate that child. This clone patch seems a lot more stable. You could almost believe it's the original tongue up there sometimes. Well, if, if you ignore the three noses and the glowing eyes. Indeed, indeed. I didn't like it. Well, why not, Chris? It just wasn't enough like the RTD golden era. You know, the classic stuff. Well, it was no fear her. Well, I, I loved it, and uh, and and here's uh, what uh, what wh- 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 is that? What's that noise? It's, it's a suitcase. It's materializing with a thin air in front of me. No. No, it can't be. Not after all this time. What's what's happening down there? Good sirs, pack your bags. I think we're going on a little trip. You're listening to the Two Minute Time Lord. Hi, I'm Chip, and this week I want to talk about fan fiction. Loved by some fans, hated by others. There's a type of fan fiction that's even more divisive fan parodies. Now, when you take the concepts and characters from the Doctor Who universe and repurpose them for laughs, well, it doesn't always sit right with me. Even an affectionate parody sometimes damages the memory of a well-told story. I can't watch an instant classic like Death of the Doctor anymore without imagining the Doctor bashing his head against the wall and regenerating ten times. Now, we each have the capacity to tell stories, the potential to create something new and wonderful. So why just make fun of someone else's idea when you could write your own adventure? A particular bugbear of mine is when dialogue is lifted straight out of an episode. Chip, that suitcase just appeared in the living room. What does it mean? It means a very old debt is to be repaid. 
Pack the cases, Shannon. We're going to need the swords. Commencing stage one disengagement of auditory senses now. Auditory senses disengaged. Please enjoy this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Radio Rassalon podcast. What, what are you doing, Leeson? I'm doing a pretend radio station right, about Doctor Who on my tape player. Right. And then, when I finish doing it, I'm going to hang it out a window onto the front street. Right. And then everyone in the street will hear it and I will become famous. That is how radio works. Don't you even know that? Can I say something on it? If, and only if, you talk about Doctor Who. That's the only rule. And I'm the straight man. You're, you're, the, you're the silly one. That's that's the other rule. There's two rules. I'll say something about Daleks or Yetis or our Cybermen or an allegory for rampant consumerism and unthinking technological progress. I won't say poo. Hmm. Okay, then. I'll, here you go. Just speak into this. About Doctor Who, you say? Yep. Doctor Poo! Uh, give it back. No. Give it. Doctor Poo! Give it. No. Give it. No. Give it. No. Give it. No. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? We're developing our rapport. It's a work in progress. Well, it's already surprisingly well honed. Who are you? Well, we're the U-Cast. Chris Alpha. Chris Sigma. And the amazing Andrew Candish. But you're a... You're... What? Famous? Fans of Doctor Who? Amazing? You're some sort of weirdo aliens. You just appeared out of nowhere. What do you want? We're from the future. We're assembling a crack team of podcasters. But why are you talking to us? And what's a pod-ass? Podcast. What's a pod-ass? Podcast. What's a podcast? It's like a podcast. No time to explain now. Something's happened. Something terrible. They've taken her, you see. What do you mean? Taken who? Laura. They've taken my fiance. And then she just dissolved into Yorkshire pudding batter and splattered to the floor. That's... that's awful. Ah, puddings. We didn't know what to do, but then... Andy had the idea of putting an army of podcasters together. Brilliant. Where'd you get that idea from? 
I made it up. No, you didn't. You got it from A Good Man Goes to War. All right. But it was my idea to not talk to anyone and just open the TARDIS doors in a cool, moody sort of way. That was from the episode two. Fine. But it was definitely my idea to all wear giant sombreros. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, that was your idea. Now all we need to work out is who's taken her. That tiny Mexican's right. Until we know that, we can't do anything. Don't worry. I know who's taken her. You do? Yeah, it's obvious. But we've got a few more stops to make first. I can't stand burnt The Doctor Who podcast. I loathe The Doctor Who podcast stations. Terrible places. Full of lost The Doctor Who podcasts and lost The Doctor Who podcasts. And then there's unrequited The Doctor Who podcast and The Doctor Who podcast and The Doctor Who podcast. We all have a world of our own The Doctor Who podcasts to face. Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Doctor Who Podcast and it's a particularly exciting episode this week because along with all your favourite features like Kooky Theory of the Week and James Likes Big Finish a lot, we've got a new host. I'm not a new host, I'm a prisoner here. Someone help me! You're in the Doctor Who podcast camper van. It's where you've been for the past six months since you came and recorded that song for us. We replaced you with a flesh avatar. You monsters! Why would you do something like that? Tell her, Trev. You should never have beaten us at that quiz, Laura. That was our quiz format. We should have won it. That's right. You only won because Chris Sigma flirted shamelessly with Clayton Hickman the whole time. We want a rematch. Well... Couldn't you just have asked? Sent an email or something? This seems a little extreme. Cease your prattling, woman! I'm the quiz master this time, and you'll find you can't charm me quite so easily. That's a lovely shirt you're wearing. Oh, do you like it? I got it from this grey hat. Wait, you're trying to charm me right now, aren't you? Well, it was worth a try. Silence. Let the quiz begin. It's just a shame we don't have the rest of the Oodcast here so we can crush them with our superior knowledge as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah? Well, be careful what you wish for, you... rubbishers. Curses! The Oodcast. Stay back or you'll regret it. We'll turn the volume up on her headphones and fry her brain. You'll never defeat us. We're on home territory. We're too powerful. <laughs> then it's lucky we bought friends. And sombreros. But what, what do you mean? They're a kind of wide-brimmed hat, like the one I'm wearing on my head. Not the hat, you idiot. The friends. What friends could possibly help you now? Friends like us, the Radio Free Scarl Lasercast from your far future. 
The magazine format of our show takes a light-hearted look at Doctor Who in the company of two jaunty fellows and one jaunty robot. But we're not so jaunty now, we're angry as all hell! And me, Chip, the two-minute time lord. Bite-sized commentary on the world of Doctor Who, now with added samurai sword ass-kickery. And the plucky girl assistant. Don't go there. And us, the Radio Rassilon Podcast. Two young boys who will someday grow up to be fully grown men. With the minds of young boys. Ooh, what sounds in my voice? Proper evil. Oh, it's happening to my voice as well. For Rassilon and glory! Back, 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 back to time. Hi, it's me, Nat from Nottingham. I'm editor-in-chief of Bridging the Rift. We've just relaunched as an audio zine, bringing together fan creativity and comment from across the Doctor Who universe. In the near future, we hope to bring out even more new formats, such as the podcast in the form of tattoos, ice lollies, and a breathable gaseous version. Hi, it's Eric from the Doctor Who Book Club podcast. We, uh, well, you know, we read books and, 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 and talk about them, and you, you have no idea who I am. To victory! Hello, Luke here from the Minute Doctor Who podcast, or Twidwork for short, and I'm his Dalek duplicate from episode 40. Yes, for those watching on MP3, I'm the one in the Mr. Tickle t-shirt. Uh, this is audio. They can't see us. Oh well. Makes the split-screen job a lot easier, I suppose. Now we can concentrate all our creativity on avenging this betrayal by our friends at the DWP. Hello, boys. Just in time for the fun. Can I also mention that you can find me on Twitter at numeral 2 minute time lord at facebook.com slash numeral 2 minute time lord or on the web at TWOMinuteTimeLord.com, or on iTunes, where you can leave me a review. No time for that now. Let's end this thing. Attack! Let's get him! Ah! 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 Not the face! Australians run when podcasters go to war. Being hit by a microphone is not much fun. When podcasters go to war, skin is flayed and sound effects played. Voices will peak and others will fade when podcasters go to war. Hello, it's me, Clayton Hickman off the telly. By the powers invested in me by being Gareth Roberts' housemate... Please, let me go, let me go! Shut up, Roberts. I now declare the Oodcast the winners again. Thanks, Clayton. Stop flirting with Clayton. Thanks for saving me, everyone. I'm off to make a tiny hat for a kitten. Laura! Wait, you can't just leave us here. How are we going to get home? Well, at least we all survived. Well, almost all of us. Chris! I've always dreamed of dying in battle. Shouldn't that be dreamt? Now's not the time to try and pedant me. I am right, though. It is dreamt. That's the correct form. No, because then it would be... I dreamt a dream in times gone by. And we all know musical theatre never lies. I can see a white glowing light. It's calling to me. What happened, Chris? I don't know. I had my back turned and suddenly someone had stuck these swords through me. Maybe you shouldn't have said all those things about Russell T. Davies, then. Or David Tennant. Sneaky high five? What was that, Chip? Nothing. I was just saying how sad it all is. Come on, Ace. We've got work to do. He's, he's gone. He was so pedantic. They always are. So pedantic. Right. What are we going to do now? The battle fused the door of the camper van. I think we're going to be trapped here forever. Oh, great. 
So what are we going to do for all eternity? I've got a copy of Caves of Androzani. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's Oodcast, which is episode 20 of season 3. I am your host, Laura Simpson, for another 38 days or so. And with me, I have the glorious Christopher Foston. Hello, sometimes known as Chris Alpha. The mellifluous Andrew Candish. Hello there, alright. And the glowing ball of creative fire that is Christopher Mead. I'm a glowing ball. Yes, you are. Are you phasing out the Sigma and Alpha nicknames? Oh, I don't know. I just like calling you by your surnames. But anyway, um, we've got a lot to discuss because this episode, I think, has got um, got us a little bit riled, a little bit excited, maybe. No, maybe riled's not the right word. But before we do do that, here is the Oodcast News. Oodcast News. Welcome to the Oodcast News. Nursing unions have responded to a new government policy to use unpaid clones on Tauran nurses instead of regular human ones. Under threat of being crushed, they agreed it was a good idea. In beauty news, Slimfast has come up with an innovative new product that guarantees approximately 87% weight loss. Users can see pounds literally melting off as they transform into a sort of tahini-based porridge. Apple has confirmed that it will develop a papal mainframe. A spokesperson said that work will commence when they have clarified the infallibility app. The United Nations have lifted the restrictions and sanctions it placed on the Doctor Who website earlier this series for a number of breaches to international spoiler law. Spokesmen from the Cistercian, Jesuit and Benedictine monks have come forward to utterly reject the notion of any headlessness amongst their orders. However, one was heard to utter that the Franciscans have always been a bit creepy. And finally, research has shown how Melody Pond's name would translate in different cultures across the galaxy, including Meander Hip Hop, Oxbow House, Estuary Charleston and Delta and the Bannermen. Podcast news. Oh, so what do you call finales that's not a finale? Maybe a finalish? That's <laughs> of an ish finale. A finalish. I thought this finalish was brilliant. I thought it was quite clear where all the budget um, for the special effects had gone for most of the episode, don't it you? It was the best finalish <laughs> I'd ever seen. Yeah. Maybe even the only one, eh? That's true, mm. that's true. Oh, well, you could say that every finale in Doctor Who's a finalish thing because it just carries on. <laughs> Although possibly not in the way this has. I loved it as well. I thought it was very, very good. I wonder if they're ever actually going to um, fulfil the cliffhanger bit because... I, it I think sort of, so at some point, probably. Well, no, it just it just seems to imply that it's going to be a bit of a fait accompli in the next episode that we see because it's something it's on an entirely different subject it doesn't imply that we're, that we're actually going to see the doctor rescuing river from her little predicament in her tiny little moses basket made out of fiberglass or whatever it was you reckon well he's absolutely definitely not going to i would say because then we know that river grows up and goes into the spacesuit. we know that happens 
The doctor can't mm. undo his own yeah. past, so he won't he won't rescue her as a baby, I don't think. No. Oh. We know that he goes back and and uh, rescues her in some form because she said that's what he did. But the question is is time going to be rewritten or is his arrival in her life something that has already happened? Well, it's something that's already happened to her. It's already happened within her time stream, but the question is, has that time stream been altered? And was it even the same doctor doing it? Because we've got sort of mm. young doctor and old doctor bopping along. And also we yeah. have ganger doctor. Ganger doctor. Ganger doctor yes. exploded. Yeah, but there was very heavy hinting that that wasn't going to be the end of him. I'm sure no. the doctor yes. said something like, you'll be able to retain... Molecular memory. Yes. Mm. I, I don't think we've seen the last of Ganger Doctor either. Do you think that's maybe whoever wrote that episode suggesting that homeopathy works? <laughs> <laughs> right. I, don't, I don't think even in a sci-fi context they could make that work. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go on to the big question. Well, I mean, the big question that was answered, who is River Song? We now know who River Song is. Were people happy with that? It was all right. I mean, I suppose I was happy with it because we predicted it. We did. In our review of episode one, mm -hmm. we said this. When we finally find out who shoots the Doctor, I think it might be River still. And it's, it's now possible that River could turn out to be Amy and Rory's child. Yeah, yeah, I think, I actually think not only that might be true, but she might also be the child in the suit. That mm -hmm. might be River as a young mm. woman. But she would remember having arrived in the tunnels. She'd go, oh, this is where I first meet the no, doctor. No, silent. The silent. I thought the way it was written was particularly good. Because, I mean, let's face it, this is one of the most, if you count hints as spoilers, it's one of the most spoiled cliff, uh, kind of reveals ever, I suppose, in Doctor Who. Every, everybody seemed to have guessed what it was, but it still, to me, felt like a a really well-planned-out, well-written surprise. It still took me slightly by surprise, even though I thought it was going to happen. I agree with Alfred in that I don't want a twist every time just for the sake of having a twist. Sometimes no. I just want a really well-written story that you can see has been placed with a craftsman's touch all the way back through this series, last series, perhaps mm. even the series before. I really want to watch Silence in the mm. Library again now, actually. <laughs> I think it's more unneeded evidence that Stephen Moffat knows how to write a decent finalish. Having said that, <laughs> having said that, I did get a little bit eh, at the whole doctor will rise higher than he's ever done before and then fall so much further. And mm. I thought, hang on a second. So him falling so much further is Amy and her porridge baby and a few dead Silurians and him going, well, maybe I shouldn't turn up and do stuff then. Oh, but is it? Surely the well, falling so much I further thought. is going to happen. Is that going to falling? Yeah, I it's going to happen falling? later. Yeah. Oh, Bobbins. Almost sure. What I love about the reveal of who River is, is that, yeah, we kind of thought that might be it. But the answer to who she is now presents even more questions. What does the Doctor do when he goes back to find her as a child in 1960s America? Um, does he prevent her being a weapon? Does uh, does River um, become a prisoner of the clerics who are trying to kill the Doctor? Or um, will the silence return? Oh, here's a thing. Silence will fall, right? Is that silence will fall, as in no sound, as in at the end of The Vampires of Venice? Or is it the silence will fall? 
Ooh, silence fell. Uh, I think it's probably just the silence have already fallen. Boom. Unless that old joke suddenly, silence fell. Has, Ah! has, Has that been said since the silence kind of fell? No. It's mostly been said on promotional stuff. Mm. They don't haven't said it in the series very often. Um, I think the big thing about the River Song reveal is we now know who she is, but we don't know who she is to the Doctor, yeah. really. Yeah. And how she knows his name. It's quite a compelling story if she has been brought up her entire life to uh, be the ultimate weapon against the Doctor. If she's presumably been trained to end him. And then she mm. falls in love with him. That's quite she a could, compelling story. She could be story, the Delilah to his Samson. <laughs> That's right. Couldn't she? <gasps> so Matt is... Smith ends up with really short hair. Oh, well, I think that could happen. I mean, after all, he does. she does make a comment on his hair on his when haircut. she is a baby. Yeah. That is my hair, he says. <laughs> and uh, in Silence in the Library, she says, the last time I saw him, he turned up with a new suit and a fresh haircut. Well, very good. But um, it's strongly implied that they are having a bit of rumpy-pumpy at some point, which will freak out a lot of people. I don't know. It kind of freaks me out when he goes, oh, did we do the... And then he goes, ooh, and sort of wiggles his fingers together. And you kind of think, well, why is it particularly exciting that he did it with her? Is it because he's got a secret thing for Amy? No, and she's brilliant. She's a new species. She's, the hu- she's a human being. With the powers of a Time Lord, she's the very first of her race, and he's the last of his. That's just that brilliant is quite symmetry, isn't it? She's she's like the Doctor Donna, but without being convenient annoying plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ah, ooh. <laughs> well, yeah, I, well, there I, could be a bit of that later. That's where Stephen Moffat got the idea for the pirate episode. <laughs> but we also know how she came about now, and why Amy was pregnant. And why she can fly the TARDIS. She was yeah. conceived in the TARDIS. But again, there's still some kind of amb- ambiguity about whether it was Rory or whether it was the Doctor. Because Amy does say, you know, yeah, but but you, no. your, your dad is coming. But it just seems to be left a little bit no, hanging. It isn't. No, it's not. She says, and they call him the Eternal Centurion. Yeah, at the beginning. No, don't be silly. Your father Anyhow, is the Eternal Centurion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's your dad. Whoop, whoop. And then the Doctor at the end goes, it's mine. Oh, you silly, the cot. Yeah, that was brilliant too. <laughs> yes, that's quite funny. That's a genius moment of moth writing, isn't it? Keep the audience guessing. Speaking of ingenious moments of moth writing, who here desperately wishes that the Sontaran hadn't died? Me. Yes, he me. was my favourite. Yeah, brilliant character. Although the uh, <laughs> lesbian reptilian detective in Victorian London who wields a samurai sword was also an excellent character. Does anyone notice the um the tongue joke. reference? Oh no sorry. <laughs> I, I thought the tongue joke was funny. Yes. Why do no I put up d- with you? Oh. <laughs> uh, of course if they get their own series it would be called Tipping the Scales. Oh, 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 oh. So not funny. our joke. That wasn't our joke. No, that was on Twitter. Oh. Um, um um did anyone else notice the Thunderbirds in joke? Yes, when and not because you told us this earlier, ah. but yes, I did. She gets out of the carriage and she says, thank you, Parker, I won't be needing you again this evening. Yes, lady. She that didn't say the funny. yes, lady. the driver said <laughs> Yes, yeah, well, I yes. She didn't just suddenly get a gruff voice. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been weird. Um, something that hit me that I'm sure everyone else saw, and it just took me much longer, was the link to the Doctor's wife. What the TARDIS's last words were? The only water in the forest yeah. is the river. Yeah, that was fairly clever. How would she know that? Because she can see all time. Oh, good point. Also, a little bit of her is inside River. Maybe. A little bit of Rory is inside. No, okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, you're creeping me out with all your juices. 
Okay, but actually how the episode was made, I thought, once again, cracking dialogue, massive scope, Mm. everything was weaved together brilliantly. We've already mentioned how the incidental characters were these incredibly brilliant, funny characters that you instantly took to. I just think it was such a good episode. But that begs the question, what were the bum notes? And for me, they were the monks with the heads like an end of a sausage. Oh, I like them. Oh, come on. That was sausage ridiculous. Monks. Yeah, sausage, they were good. They were Jedi. Tied Jedi sausage monks. monks. No, they were pants. They were Doctor they were, Who does were Jedi with that head. worst creature effect that I'd ever yeah, seen those dudes come up with. The sound effect was rubbish, but they the were sound effect. Oh, my God. The sound effect was pants. It was so pants. I could do a better job myself. You probably could, honey, but I don't think everyone could. Okay, I take that back. You can't. <laughs> That's the attack prayer. I mean, couldn't they have even afford? Couldn't they afford a proper male voice choir to do it rather than some Casio synth so you, you version? Would, you, you would rather they came into I, I don't know a, a Welsh hymn than to. <laughs> like... I would rather it didn't just sound so pants. I That's mean... the attack prayer. Undid those feet <laughs> in ancient times. I've got no problem with them just going, oh, because, you know, frankly, they don't have a proper larynx, so they can probably only make the oh, noises. They... But it was the fact that it sounded synthetic that <laughs> I, I liked the to. thin one and the fat one too, by the way. They probably mm. did need yeah. to be, they probably had a synthetic Bon Tempe organ under their, <laughs> under their robes to make the noise because they don't have a larynx, as well, you say. Perhaps. Th- thank goodness they didn't accidentally press the demo button and play <laughs> Wakes Me Up Before You Go Go all the way to... Th- that would be quite exciting. <laughs> oh, I no, it's, it's Wham, they're attacking. <laughs> I would have preferred that. Oh, no, one of them has driven into a Snappy Snaps. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I didn't like the um, gay married Anglican... Marines. I thought they were two-dimensional. I thought the fact they were gay was just thrown in as a sort of sop to the gay no, Doctor Who following. It was it just was shown boring. that the church had moved on. It wasn't. It was just a little fun little thing. Yeah. I, 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 thought, it, I thought it was funny, but they were a little bit pointless. But they were funny, so I wouldn't hold that against them. I liked the sort of the Lawrence Llewellyn Bo- Bowen moment with the fat one. Ooh, lots of red everywhere. <laughs> Hope that's not to hide the stains. But the other person who I thought was a bit pants throughout was the um, I'm going to knit you a lovely <laughs> personalised doily lady. Who, I liked her. Oh, I thought she was nice. Yeah. No, come on, guys. She was pretty but bland. No, she was an interesting like a character. Well iced cupcake and without the, any flavour. The death scene, scene was brilliant. It made They're me all brave. Up. It was mm. oh, oh, it was beautifully it wasn't played. Brilliant. Um, one of the reviews I read said that um, he, Matt Smith didn't get angry enough, and that David Tennant got far more angry than him every episode. <laughs> like, well, that's not necessarily a good thing, and um, this has been building. It's not just Matt Smith doesn't do this every week, mm. so it's a different kind of I, rage. I and thought it was I, well I, placed and mm. and very well handled. And I liked the fact that the the reason he picked the kind of people he picked to be with him was because they were people who were aware what he was like and could tell him when he was going too far. Because what well, the the Silurian, whatever her name was, she did it. I can't um, remember her name. She's yeah. awesome though. Let's just call her. Scaly McLixalot. Scaly McLixalot was brilliant. <laughs> she was. Anyway. I liked, I, going back to what Chris was saying about Sontaran, I did like him a lot because I liked the way they subverted the Sontaran race.
So the surgeon's indicated that he's happy with how the procedure went. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Oh, I'm so relieved. Well, Jimmy will need some time to recover, though, obviously. Of course. We'll take good care of him. Plenty of bed rest, that sort of thing. Well, yes, he's just had a heart transplant. He won't be playing football for a while. Oh, shame. Now, now, Jimmy, you want to get better, don't you? Yes, Mum. Well, then, we need to listen to what the doctors tell us and do exactly that. Well, I'm sure Jimmy's specialist will go through this a lot more carefully with you before you take him home, but he should be able to start moving again in the next couple of weeks. You'll need to make sure he doesn't overexert himself in any way for a while until he learns what his boundaries are. <laughs> that shouldn't be a problem. Right then, I'll, I'll leave you to... Nah, here's the surgeon. Afternoon, sir. Afternoon, puny human! Mrs Bowen, this is the surgeon that performed the operation? Oh, wonderful! Jimmy, um, this is the... Uh, man who gave you your new heart. Hello, mister. Thank you for my new heart. It is a pleasure, little Jimmy. I hope one day we meet on the field of battle so I can crush you like a part-boiled egg. What a nice man. Presumably he must have lost in a battle or something like that, so they put him on nurse duties. No, the doctor, it was the doctor who did it. Yeah, I mean, that's that the, the impression I got, because well, when the TARDIS lands, he says, oh, my, my penance might well be over. Yeah, and he also, whose idea was it? And then you hear the TARDIS yeah. noise. The doctor did what? Saved him somehow, and as penance forced him to be a nurse to regain his honour. Oh. I did, li- I did like the bit where um, he's dying. The Santarans dying, I love that and he bit. said, uh, "I've always, I've always I've wanted longed. to die in a battle, but this is nowhere near as nice as I thought." <laughs> I'm it not be. enjoying <laughs> it. So far, I'm not enjoying it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant, hysterical. And it did make me think: what other Doctor Who monsters might have weird professions? And now a guide to Doctor Who aliens with surprising professions, sponsored by Commander Strax. Number one: the Weeping Angel Optician. Good to see you, Mr. Lethbridge Stewart, if you wouldn't mind having a seat. No, no, don't mind me. I'm, I'm looking for the right magnifying tool. Right, I'm just going to inspect the back of your eye for any blemishes. Nothing to worry about. Uh, if you could just close your left eye and try not to... Bl- Sorry, got quantum locked there for a while. Occupational hazard, I suppose. Number two. The Cyberman Psychiatrist. So I think it all goes back to my father issues. Not having a strong male role model in my formative years means I'm constantly looking for someone to guide me as an adult. I seem to latch onto these ridiculous, arid, elder statesman types that I've got nothing in common with. What do you think? Am I overanalyzing again? Affirmative. You will be upgraded. How do you feel? Adequate. In your face, Freud. Number three. The silence driving instructor. If you could take the next left, please. Ah! Number four. The empty child Egyptologist. 
Are you my mummy? Number five, the Dalek who works for Aardman Animations. Once the entire scene is set up, we take a single frame with the digital camera. Then, to give the illusion of movement, we move the model's arm just a tiny amount. It's an extremely subtle art form, one that requires extreme patience and a certain lightness of touch. Curses! I have flattened the amusing cartoon dog! Nick Park does not tolerate failure! Self-destruct sequence initiated! Exterminate! Exterminate! <laughs> <laughs> uh, you um, another bit that I really enjoyed actually was the little bit of the doctor's dialogue between um, himself and the baby. I mainly liked it because the, over the past week I spent a lot of time around babies. With my little nephew. Yeah, with our little nephew yeah, and Chris's nephew. little god sister's brother who's. Um, sorry, goddaughter's brother who is even like very cute also. Not and cuter though. Not cuter than my nephew. Okay, all right. They're both they're both very cute for different reasons. Neither of them are anywhere near as cute as, as, as my son. As Luke. All right. Yes. Okay. Everybody is cute, but um, I just found myself thinking at various points during the week that we were with them. Gosh, wouldn't it be just easier if they could say, "Oh, I don't like this. What's it? This cheesy. What's it you're trying to give to me? I want to eat some grass." You know, if they could just say that instead of going. Eh. So um, I thought the dialogue possibilities for that were very, very interesting. Oh, hello, little one. Oh, tell me about it. Those Dalek chaps are tiresome, aren't they? <laughs> oh, I agree. They're all the same in that spiral arm of the galaxy, desperate for power, territory and extra jammy dodgers with their tea. No, you're right. Daleks don't drink tea. That is one of the telltale signs of a barbarous race. <laughs> yes, well, that and the killing. <laughs> oh, really? Where did you hear that? <laughs> On Twitter, eh? <laughs> oh, it was one of those super injunction rumours, eh? <laughs> yes, of course you can have one. Are you sure you can cope with a whole one? Your mummy said you were only allowed rusks. I'll tell you what, we'll swap. You have the jammy dodger and I'll have the rusk. Lovely. <laughs> Yuck, that is revolting. How can you eat these things? <laughs> Do they serve you gruel as well? That's just as tasty. <laughs> oh, well, that's not too bad, I suppose. What's in the bottle? <laughs> Not that one. I know what that one is, and I'm not drinking that. I meant the kind of goldy-coloured one. <laughs> apple juice? Brilliant! I love apple juice. Mind if I... <laughs> Thank you. Very kind. <laughs> yes. Very refreshing. Now, what's in the pot? <laughs> I see. And what dinner's that? Cauliflower and broccoli cheese? You poor thing! 
You won't want that, will you? Here, have a jammy dodger while I try your dinner. I know you don't have any teeth. Just gnaw on it for a bit. <laughs> Nearly finished. Right, now, what you got here for pudding? Hello, Doctor! Hello, baby! Oh, hello, Commander Stax. What are you doing here? It is time for the child's evening feed! And you're here to... Provide her with lactic fluid! I, uh, I better be off then. Uh, let me know when you're done. Right, baby! Come to nurse, Stax, or I will crush you like a part-boiled egg! Rory was brilliant. He was really, really properly manly and stuff, which I thought was great. And the bit at the beginning where he sort of, he quest- asked the Cybermen where his wife is and it says he has a message from the doctor. And then they said, well, what's the message from the doctor? And the ship stopped blowing it behind him. And all he says is, do I have to repeat the question? I was on my feet Yeah, I <laughs> at was that too. stage. Um, and there are two quotes that I thought were almost as good as the Rory one. There was the the bit about uh, when he goes to get um, River and she says, are you boys dressing up as Romans now? I thought you never read my memos. <laughs> and the bit where he tries to call the baby Melody Williams and uh, mm. Amy says, Melody Williams, that's a geography teacher. Melody Pond's a superhero. Mm. I love those two lines. So, OK, let's do our classic thing. I would like you to summarise this episode in three words. I'll do it in three lines if you want me to give the haiku. Go on then, do the haiku. Okay, this is a good man goes to war. Um, Doc calls in favours. Headless monks prove toothless too. River flows from ponds. Nice. Nice one. You are on fire. Oh, and please... Ah! Ah! (laughs) Yes, that's shocking. And please, will you grace us with the other haikus that you wrote? Oh, Oh, the one that we won't... Yeah, okay. Um... We will not brag here, but seeing as it's on tape, we're right all along. Hooray mm-hmm. for us. Hee hee. Okay, go on, Candice. <laughs> Mine's, what happens next? Yeah, very much so. Light of my life. Glowy ball face. <laughs> you might want to rephrase that a little bit. <laughs> Glowy ball face. <laughs> <laughs> my face is like a ball. So I would say it was huge... Slick. All of these words seem inappropriate. Now we have glowy ball face. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, not the episode. Yeah, I know. Okay, uh, so you got one okay, more. Okay, I'm going to start again. Epic, slick, hilarious. Okay, and mine are characterful. <laughs> that is a word. That is totally a word. Crafted. Suspenserific. Porridge. <laughs> right. Porridge. Char- characterful yep. crafted, crafted porridge. porridge. Mm. Why porridge, Loz? The baby is a porridge baby. Ah, oh that bit was horrible. Yeah. yeah. But it was a bit like porridge. We've all been there. I like porridge. <laughs> Sorry, for our American listeners, oatmeal. Well there we go. We have reached the end of the Oodcast series three. How does everyone feel where it went? Yeah, cool. For our our series, yeah, our series, it went all right. Yeah, that sounds like something your line manager says to you at the end of an unsuccessful project. So, how do you feel that went? <laughs> how do you think we could be improved? <laughs> do please write in. <laughs> Great. Yes. And yeah. when we return, 
four surnames will be as three. Ooh. That is right. We will be Say married, what? Laura and I, when we when we meet again. But we can still call you Sigma and Alf, right? We can. Well, because she's not called change. Alf anyway. No. Ah. Laura Sigma, I think you're Maybe Laura Sigma. Sigma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I really hope you enjoyed yourselves listening to this as much as we enjoyed making it. Thanks so much for your support. All the lovely comments that we've had. Um, we'll put the album out next week. I think we'll probably go back to writing on the blog and there will be a few special episodes over the summer, but we will return when the doctor goes after Hitler, I guess. So until then, auf Wiederhören. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Oh, and a special thank you to all of the podcasters who gave their time and their vocal talents to help us in this last episode. That's the guys at Radio Free Scaro, Chip at the Two Minute Time Lord, the Radio Wrestling Boys, the Doctor Who podcast, even though they're evil. Well, they're not. They're lovely. Uh, Bridging the Rift, Tim's Take On, Adventures in Time, Space and Music, the Minute Doctor Who podcast, Luke there, the Crossover Adventures, the Doctor Who Book Club, the DWO Who cast and the Flashing Blade, and also, of course, to Clayton Hickman and Gareth Roberts. Um, So before we go, we thought we'd get everyone singing a song together. So here we have about 14 different podcasters from all over the world singing as one about what it's like not to have a head. Some things in life are bad. They could really make you mad. Other things just make you chant in synth. When your husband gets converted, ending up quite introverted, because his head is in a box upon a plan. Well, always look on Because you've lost your noggin And you don't know how on earth you all can sing When you're feeling in the dumps Feel the breeze across your stumps From a distance it could sound like whistling And always look on the bright side of Monks are quite absurd They march on undeterred Because they all have scarlet flaming swords But I've already seen The same in blue and green Perhaps they're paying on the shoes I wore You can wave it round with gravitas Just as long as no one tells your truth Life is so unfair when you've got no hair No eyes, no teeth, no lips, no head at all You can see it's all a show Keep on chanting as you go And if they laugh, well that's heretical So always look on the bright side of life Those things happen in bunk beds, you know Always look on the right side of life Always look on the bright side of life. Would you like?
like a jelly baby. Oh, no, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean that. Always look on the right side of life. Well, look at it this way. Save money on haircuts. Always look on the bright side of life. Well, at least it's not RTD. Always look on the right side of life. Hey, hang on a second. Who's the head of the Headless Monks? I think we should be told. I wonder if he sits on, like, the top shelf, but he's called Bert.